Hey, it's Shane here. Throughout the majority of my career, I spent thousands of hours on my technique to try to be as close to perfect as I could be. But the one thing I didn't work on was my mental skills. On the exact mindset I needed every ball to be able to access all of my technical skills that I worked so hard to develop. Well, I've recently released my book, Winning the Inner Battle, which has all of the information that you will ever need to deeply understand how you can create the correct mindset for you so that you can bring the best version of yourself every time you step out into the middle. Go to shamewatson.au to purchase a copy of Winning the Inner Battle now. It is available in paperback, ebook, or audiobook versions. Well, it's now time for your episode of Lessons Learned with the Greats. Enjoy. I think I was a good player. Um, I think I could have been a very good player, but I. But we, me- all, but we all look back. We all look back though and go, yeah, but geez, I could have got more out of myself." Yeah, yeah, but you know, I, I, you know, there, there were some mental aspects that I, I couldn't grasp. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a wonderful player, Martin Crow, the yeah. late Martin Crow. Mm-hmm. He was massive on goal setting, and he really spent time with me trying to get me to set goals. But I, I just couldn't absorb it or set them and think. Um, I can't just pluck a number out and then aim for it. I was really process-driven, so I needed to sort of have a, a sequence or a routine to the way I batted. Yeah. Uh, but when I did have some goals set, I, I hit them, but they scared me. I, they scared me off, and I just my DNA didn't allow me to constantly do that that drive. Today on this episode of Lessons Learned with the Greats, I have the absolute privilege to be able to talk to and gain incredible insights from one of the great captains of the international game, one of the great coaches of the game, and one of the seriously good guys in world cricket, Stephen Fleming. Stop it, Water. Thank you so much for coming on to my show. So I'm going to give just a bit of a background on, on Flem as a player. I know you're going to be uncomfortable about this, but I'm going to read them out. So Flem played 111 test matches. True. True. Yep. Which he captained 80 of them. 7,172 runs. I'm not sure about that. Yep, that's true. 281 one-day internationals, of which he captained 194. 8,073 one-day international runs. 247 first-class matches, scoring over 16,000 runs. And 460 list day, which are domestic one-day um, one matches, scoring over 14,000 runs. Flem's international career spanned 15 years and is one of the great captains in the history of the game of cricket. Thank you, Water. My, I'm going to indulge a little bit here. My highlight for Flem that stands out like it was yesterday was during the 2003 World Cup, an innings that I remember being up and watching against South Africa, 134 not out. Mm. But the thing I remember more than anything is how the ball just flew off your bat. Back foot drives, cover drives, pull shots, whips off your pads. And it was one of those days where I was just like, this guy's just the next level. And I'm sure you had and would have had plenty of days like that, but that was the one that really stands out the most. And was that also one of the – was that the game where South Africa got the Duckworth Lewis wrong? No, that was still to come. Was so it? that was the first whammy, yeah. Um, <laughs> Wish it was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it was, it was the first time we'd actually beaten South Africa, uh, New Zealand in South Africa in a one day. And we oh, had yeah. to win it. We had some drama uh, off the field. So we were under the pressure as well. We got into some trouble in Durban. And we had to win that game to stay in the competition. Um, so there was a lot riding on it, and they belted us for 300, early 300s. But in yeah. Johannesburg, some of the record scores, it's a beautiful place to bat. And if you do, as you say, get a feel for it, then the ball runs away. 
then we had a rainstorm as well, so the, the score got brought down. But yep. um, it, look, I think it was my best day of cricket. It didn't happen all the time, what I yep. it hardly happened, so it was just a great day. And as a captain, yep. it was a great day. Brilliant. So now you've developed your developed your coaching skills into being one of the best coaches that's around. And the one thing that does stand out for me is that there's there's a lot of coaches around that from a cricket point of view they understand cricket because that's what they know. But from a man management side of things and understanding an environment, understanding what individuals need, that just doesn't happen. So to be able to develop those skills, you've now been involved in the a CSK that won three IPL titles and are coaching all around the world in different different franchises. And I really want to be able to tap into some of those some of those things today because it's it's fascinating because it just doesn't it's a, it's a rarity that you mix cricket skills and deep knowledge with the personal skills as well. So I'll get into the first question. <laughs> From a skills lessons um, learnt point of view, was there one specific or a couple of specific technical components of your batting that really stood out that you developed and you knew that if I got this right every ball, I was going to be in the best position to be able to react and naturally react to be as effective as I possibly could be? Look, I, I feel most uncomfortable talking about my my batting because I think it's something that I didn't conquer and and it um, it still sits quite uneasy that I I can't answer this really clearly. I think I was a good player. Um, I think I could have been a very good player, but I. But we me, all but we all look back. Oh, we all look back though and go, yeah, geez, I could have got more out of myself." Yeah, yeah, but you know, I, I you know there there were some mental aspects that I I couldn't grasp. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a wonderful player, Martin Crow, the yep. late Martin Crow. Mm-hmm. He was massive on goal setting, and he really spent time with me trying to get me to set goals. But I, I just couldn't absorb it or set them and think, um, I can't just pluck a number out and then aim for it. Mm. I was really process-driven, so I needed to sort of have a, a sequence or a routine to the way I batted. Yeah. Uh, but when I did have some goals set, I, I hit them, but they scared me. I, they scared me off, and I just my DNA didn't allow me to constantly do that, that drive. Yeah. The other thing that hung over me was captaincy. Um, so most of your career, you're a batter, and then you might become a captain. So you're a batter that captains. I think I ended up the other way around. I was a captain that batted. <laughs> yeah. And that mentality is really different because yeah. you're absorbing the whole game. Um, the result becomes paramount, and the part you play as a batter then is secondary. You need to get runs to get the team out of trouble or um, strengthen the position or so that – the, the environment was dictating my batting, whereas if you're solely a batter, you're really focused and selfish on just doing what makes you the best. And I, I, didn't, I wasn't equipped enough to do both well. And in some ways, again, I think I shied away from really exploring how good I could bat by hiding a little bit behind the captaincy and doing that as well as I could because it felt more natural. Yeah. Was there a moment, though, with your batting that you – you understood that there was that mo- there was that the situation was going on where my batting was more so just trying to fit in with what the team needed to be able to get ourselves out of trouble. What it was was there a moment where you go, okay, now I need to, I actually need to focus on my batting. Yeah, and I, th- I, I would say those words, yeah. but I had a terrible record of converting to fifties to a hundred. Yeah, welcome to my world, <laughs> <laughs> and it's a great club. <laughs> but I and, I and the more I tried, the worse it got. Yeah. Um, but there was also a bit of fatigue, I think, because I was carrying a lot of the the mm-hmm. captaincy that 
I was really wanted to get runs and get the team in a good position, and I just sort of ran out of steam and, and yep. mentally not strong enough, um, or didn't have the systems in place that allowed yep. me to, to kick off. I got yep. to a hundred, yeah, I wanted to get big hundreds and two hundreds, yep. it's fine, but that yep. that pressure and hurdle getting closer, I just fatigued out or did something different, and yep. and that probably. Um, what irks me that I, I didn't conquer that. Um, that just it's me through and through. <laughs> in Test cricket, especially, my goodness, that is just me through and through. How frustrating! <laughs> yeah. Now, what I know, what I know now from a mental skills point of view, geez, it's amazing. Like I just, I used to, I just burnt my mind out. I used to burn my mind out because I wanted it that much to be able to score, like get the hundred, and I'd just be revving so hard. Like every moment I was out batting, even the lead up to the game. The day, the day of the game, when I was batting, non-strikers end. Full noise. Oh, yeah, I was going. So, so what would you do now? You, you would so just now, process. Yeah, process, pull my mind back, make sure that my mind's relaxing and chilling when it needs to be, like before the game, yeah. when, I'm not, when I'm not facing, whereas I was on. <laughs> non-strikers, I was on for the whole first session of a test match. Yeah. Opening, I was like, no matter whether I was facing, I was a non-strikers and I was going at it. I, was, I, I was switched on. Yeah, and just like burns you know, petrol, you know, doesn't it? Does you burn your mind, your mind's just a is a muscle. Your mouth was a muscle as well, so you were fully on, weren't you? <laughs> In every way. <laughs> that's a that's a great insight from a fielding point of view. You're you're a great slips catch and a, a general catcher. Yeah, um, you took 171 test catches, so you, you took more than you dropped. Like, were you just naturally had really good hands and you just worked on that sort of muscle memory movement patterns, or was there? like a technical key that you always worked on to be able to get in the right position to move correctly? Yep, there's a couple of things. One, uh, I do have biggish hands, which help yep. um, to have the tools. Bigger buckets. Yep, big buckets. <laughs> um, and I wasn't a great mover. So um, I found getting into a catching position and, and becoming good at that was my yep. way of adding to the team and being skillful. Yep. Um, and then I learnt, and also captain-wise as well, standing in a good position and watching. I, I was able to control on and off. I enjoyed having people around to talk to yep. so that I could relax in between. The other technique I found, and everyone talks about getting your hands ready mm. ready to go and crouch, yep. I found if I stood with my um, hands on my knees yep. and then at the last minute, um, right up to when the ball was bowled, even yep. the ball go through, but yep. as soon as I'd take my hands off my legs, it would... The, the pressure of pushing my hands up would take all the pressure out of my hands. So I was okay. left in a really soft yep. position so you could then give, whereas a lot of people, they're ready to go. You're almost tense as the ball's running in. And then when you see the, the nick or the edge coming, yep. you get even tighter. Yep. So you get that uh, what's called hard hand scenario. Yep. So I found I was able to push all the pressure um, sort of through my legs and have my hands really relaxed when the nick came. So it was a it's quite a beautiful feeling when a, a, a slip catch comes. Yeah. It's sort of just a slow motion, and then if you're nice and soft and um, and relaxed mindset as well as physically, yeah. uh, you have much more chance of pouching the ball. So I really developed that, and rather than people say, "Oh, look, he's lazy standing the slips with hands on his knees," it was yeah. my technique to to take all the pressure out of my hands. So was there a a timing component to, to that movement as well that you you're really you're focused on getting the timing of that as right as well as actually you know, your hands on your knees. Yeah, similar yep. to, to batting, watching the yep. ball, yep. Uh, and then I wouldn't have a trigger or anything. Yeah, okay. it was the case of my body would take over yep. as soon as the nick happened, and yep. that's that natural timing that goes along with yep. with slip catching. So yep. I wasn't preempting or premeditating anything. It was just a very natural sort of feeling for. a um, a slip catch to come because I was in a in a ready state rather than an alert state. Yep, brilliant, mm. love it. 
In regards to managing your body and a fitness side of things, was there any lessons that you had to learn along the way to be able to manage your body or um, or realise that you had to w- work a certain way to look after yourself? Standing at first slip with your hands on your knees, <laughs> a little test helped, um, and not bowling. Um, the only thing, the only thing was uh, was was back. It was quite a unique sport where yep. you're hunched over. It's it's not a natural position. Yep. Um, but apart from that, I, I was pretty lucky. Again, I had a low stress impact um, on the team or role, so yep. I was lucky being able to to marshal bowlers around rather than do it myself. Yep. Make other people injured. Standing at first slip, so I was lucky KG. from that point of view. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and and dietary wise, not too bad. Yeah. Um, no, I was pretty lucky in that yeah. regard. Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, from a leadership um, point of view, was there one moment that really stood out that you re- uh, you learnt from, knowing that okay, I I handled a player this way, I handled the group this way, and it had the a result that I didn't I didn't want. And that next time that that situation arose, you knew I'm going to go this direction because I know I'm going to have a better impact and the right impact on the group. Yeah, what well, I, I reckon every day. So I got the captaincy when I was 23. Jeez. Um, and it was uh, Steve Rickson um, felt it was the right move. And I look, I just wasn't ready. But um, there was obviously some signs there long term that that Rickson felt would be beneficial. Uh, the other thing I had with me was a group of players around my age, mm-hmm. Nathan Astles and Keynes and Ash. There was a real sort of a nucleus of players that were on a similar, at a similar timeline to me with their careers. And without doubt, huge mistakes the first couple of years. And what any leader, I think, the best thing they can be afforded is time. Now, mm-hmm. you're not always given that luxury yeah. because the lessons you learn are often lost because you'll lose a job or that position, so they sort of fall by the wayside. By having time, I'll say we were then able to implement some plans and, and to start formulate the way uh, we wanted to run a team. And I'll keep saying we because yeah. I yeah, I was at the front, but it was really about that core group of people. It's yeah. your, your senior management or your, your your leaders that you rely on. And almost by default, we were creating a, the early leadership team that mm. becomes sort of vogue for a while. Yeah. The other big influence was a guy, Gilbert Anoka, who's had 20-odd years with the All Blacks. So he was... Yeah, so he cut his well. teeth with us. And he's wow, okay. straight out of I university. And, um, yeah. and he was with us for sort of seven or eight years. Yeah. And the lessons from him as he yeah. was sort of formulating his ideas <laughs> were instrumental to, to helping me develop. Because one thing a leader can do um, is get a little bit stale. So the evolution of leadership, yeah. um, not thinking that you've cracked it, but constantly looking... Uh, and evolving with different groups and different people, I think, is a, is a big secret to how the best leaders have, have evolved. So you talk about the lessons learned. Well, if you're constantly learning each day from people and talking about it and listening, then you've got a chance to, not that you want to protect your position as a leader, but yep. you want to grow your position as a leader with others. And, yep. that, um, and he taught that really well. He also taught the power of, of sort of campaign and com, common vision and, yep. and direction and, and, on the other hand, still... Um, embracing the individual aspect of what team members can bring rather than just yeah. have a uniform bang. But yeah, we, we made some mistakes, but we also had some some good times because we were a side that skill-wise was probably always a little bit below some of the best teams. Yeah. Um, but to get that success, you just had to make sure all the other parts were working well. So it made you a, a more proficient team and a team that was always searching. Gilbert Anoka. 
That's Ger- amazing. is a gun. That's amazing. Absolute yeah. gun. So yeah. 20 odd years with the All Blacks, yeah. and a lot of their success has been put down to his, the, the the programs that he run, the yeah. cultural changes, and um, his ability to articulate, but also to keep evolving himself. They were yeah. doing work with pilots and surgeons and all sorts along the way, and. Mm. Uh, the All Blacks had a, a horror result a number of years back where they, they were a favourite team and crashed out really early in a, a World Cup. And I think from that point on, his influence has been quite instrumental in their growth. Yeah, it's a great resource to be able to have as a, as especially a younger leader. And, and as a mate too, people forget. Yeah, yeah so you yeah, get okay. strong mateship and, yeah. and you can really talk rather than having that just a, um, a, a guiding light, a professional, yeah, it's, a, it's quite an intimate relationship you can have because some of the stuff you talk about you need to... Uh, expose your vulnerabilities and yeah. weaknesses to, yeah. to get stronger. Yeah, you've, you would have had, well. You've had so many different experiences as a as a coach, and I'm, I know yeah, a, a leader is in a way it's the same as being a coach. But now because you're not playing, you don't have the play playing stress and the playing yeah. worry. From a coaching aspect, is was there one moment in particular where it was like a, a light bulb went off to go, okay, that's not really that didn't work, and I know. If I do this, then I'm going to have much a much more impact, a bit the better impact on the group. Yeah, and it, it really comes back to my to IPLs. I, I didn't have any designs to be a coach. Um, I had a three year IPL deal with Chennai, and I played pretty averagely the first year. So they were looking for a return on investment. So they thought <laughs> if they may be player coach, then they could double yeah. up. Um, and that first that first time as coach, um, I went into the room. There was Matthew Hayden. Uh, Hussey, Murley, and I thought, oh, God, we're in South Africa. I've got to make my first team talk absolutely red hot. <laughs> Chichilian style, come on. <laughs> so I spent a lot of time on it, and I felt it went well. I was sort of looking around, and you get the odd head nod. Yeah. Um, and I'm laying out my plans. This is what we're going to do, and sort of adopted a philosophy. I wasn't going to make these guys do what I hated, because I think there's a lot of time wasted in cricket to a point where yep. it just turns you off meetings and a lot of time wasted for the wrong reasons. And I spelt that out and might have been 15, 20 minutes. And as the guys were leaving the room, I said to Mr. Cricket, I said, was that? Yeah, it was good. He's always going to say it's good. Yeah, um, so nice. <laughs> hey, it was fine. He was off to have a surf. And then you've got to think 70% of the room were young Indians. And I said to one of the young Indians at the end, how did you find that? And he turned to me and said, oh, I actually didn't understand you word you said. You speak too fast. And that was an amazing lesson straight up about communication. So I'd lost 70% of the room and I thought nailed it. Yeah. And I'd just catered for the overseas players. And there might have been four players because Merrily, probably he wouldn't have understood me as well. I was nervous. Yeah. yeah. Talked fast and just missed the room. So there was my first lesson straight away wow. that whenever you're going to communicate, make sure people can hear or understand your message. Yeah. Your message. The second part to that was Matt Hayden was daunting. Like he was just a daunting presence. He yep. wasn't. He was yeah, just he can, dominated yeah. on and off he can, the field. He definitely has that. Yeah. So I thought, how on earth am I going to coach Matthew Hayden after yep. going up against him? <laughs> yes. So I was really honest and just went to him and said, look, how, how can I make this the best IPL experience for you? You're finishing your international career. And he said, mate, I'd, I'd love to surf. I said, no worries. So he did one training at the start, pretty much. And then we just spent time sending him where the waves were. And at times he was away from the team. At times he was back that morning or he'd be at Durban. I'd go and meet him at the Durban Surf Club and see how he's going. And um, and it it was a risk because it was so different that Matt Hayden was the top run scorer for the IPL. And I just, something just went off there. I just thought, you don't have to do traditional things to get 
performance out of players if you can create an environment where the individual feels it's different or special and you're still buying into some some team rules and non-negotiables but I'm pretty sure when Matthew Hayden came back to the group he was ready to go because he felt um, a sense of yeah I'm I'm enjoying this I want to be back and performing well for this group rather than the constant grind of travel and play and sometimes you're afforded that luxury with experienced players Younger players, you probably wouldn't give that that opportunity. But in that case, that was a big win for me to start looking at not just a team philosophy, but an individual philosophy within the the team. Yeah. The amazing thing about Matt Hayden, I remember for the first couple of years when I was in the Aussie team, Haydos would go separately from the group down to the to the nets and face John Buchanan would feed him on the bowling machine. So he'd have right. his own, own batting session away from the group so he could hit because yep. he hit so many balls, especially when he was, well, yeah, at his best, he'd hit a lot of balls and then have you know, have a time off. So during yeah. games, that he'd be fresh. But that for me was an example that like Matt Hayden was, was very separate from the group. He just that's what he needed. That's what he wanted to have his own space where he could just hit as many balls as he wanted. And and the group allowed that absolutely. So they were fine with yeah, because boy, in the end, you know, in the end for him, that's what he needed to be in the space. Like from a surfing point of view, that's yeah. the stage he was in his career. That's what he needed. So what we're doing is trusting Matt Hayden. That's what you're saying. You're trusting your yep. athlete to actually do the best for the team yep. by doing what he does best. Yep. Okay, I'm going to move into mental skills. Yep. And you touched on it. You touched on it um, at the start. But from a mental skill point of view, was there was there a moment? This is from a playing point of view when you're playing, where you'd you'd put a recipe together from a mental skills point of view, and you go, if I if I do this, I'm going to give yourself the best chance to be able to bat for long periods of time or, or play how I um, yeah, bat the way I know I can and what I've got inside me. Yeah, there are a couple of lessons stand out. One is around um, predetermining. So your mind, obviously, trying to predict what's going to happen and you can't then get rid of that. So you'll go into, a, if it's, in our case, it was a, a pre-ball routine, carrying a predetermined thought. I found it very hard to be really clear. So learning a, a, the technique around trying to sort of combat that, one of them... I took myself outside of the ground. So we actually at Newlands of all places and I sat watching one of the techniques was sit and watch yourself and get preoccupied with what's around you. So it might be a picnic table or something just to mm. try and – because I was a happy hooker those days as well. So, you know, sure. <laughs> this is be who, who isn't? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Take them on. That's right. Um, so fighting that and, and so just the power of, of being able to concentrate on something else and, and come back was an interesting lesson. And, and that was yep. always my – it was one of my fights was making sure I was clear. And then yep. as I got a little bit older, I, I really was able to sink into a pre-ball routine that even sort of blowing out anxiety and, and just – and then clicking in, which I know now is a big part of a lot of batters um, – Performance before each ball, so yep. that, that that was important. The, the one thing that the one thing that mentally was my ultimate challenge was the search. I always felt there was something missing. I thought there's just something sitting there that's going to make me one of the best batters in the world yep. constantly. And it's, it's I've got it's just a there's something else. It's not me. I've, this is what I've got. It's there's got to be something else because everyone else it looks like it's easy or it's <laughs> it's it's coming easier than me. Yeah. And so I was constantly searching for something rather than putting my efforts into what I could do. And I missed a trick there by not being, this is what I've got, I'm going to be the best at that I can, and then just sink into that routine because the search then made you try different things and, and never be comfortable that what you had was enough. Yep. And so that, that's been a big message for me. There's a time for searching, 
and educating and, and getting information, but then it's what you do with it and how comfortable in your own skin. And once you're comfortable in your own skin that this is it, um, then I think that's when you can move forward and perform your absolute best. I don't know what that looks like. Yep. Or who knows what it looks like, yep. but you're then giving yourself the best chance yep. because you're comfortable that this is how I do it. And it, it's almost one thing I watch you. It's, it's so simple when it's done well. Yep. Um, I know there's a lot behind it. If the ball's full, you'll drive it. If the ball's short, you'll pull it. Yep. And there's a simplicity around when guys crack it. Yep. You can just tell. Yep. But it does take a lot of time to be able to try and work out where, what, that, what that setup is. Some days work, some days don't as well. But yeah, yeah. When but it's you don't wave it because you just know this is what well, I do. Now, now I know that. Yeah. Now it's more directed mindset into what I need to do. Whereas before it was sort of whatever, whatever environment around me allowed me to. That's where my mind was at. If I was if I was in the right place, great. If I if I wasn't, I didn't know how to be able to draw myself into where I needed to go. But now it doesn't matter where you are. This is just what. Well, I've got you more do. Of an understanding. Yeah. Yeah, just from educating myself around the mental skills side of things. And then also, like it is, like you, the more you understand your game, even from a technical point of view, the more you know what, you, where you need, what positions you need to get into to, be able to give yeah. yourself the chance of being able to execute. From a coaching side of things, or this is mental skills still, is there any specific, you've already touched on a couple, like with Matt Hayden, for example, um, is there a couple of mental skills philosophies that you you always you always bring you always have in the front of your mind when you're communicating with a group and with individuals? Yeah, my my, my biggest work at the moment is is reducing down um, the team message. I think team message is generic and can be missed. We go back to the first team talk that where I missed seventy eighty percent of the room. <laughs> yeah, it's a, bit of a waste of time. But um, so now it's very much a relationship based exercise so I, I need as a coach I need to take franchise cricket you need to fast forward relationships mm-hmm. so that I can um, understand and, and it's actually it's probably 80% listening 20% imparting some coaching knowledge or information yep. um, so I've tried to become really specific in the way I talk to certain people um, and that will then direct me as to how to add anything that I've got and yeah. in some cases I can't add and it's yeah. just a mutual let's go on this together and support and add a little bit here and there yeah. uh, uh, the general philosophy of coaching again goes back to make sure it makes sense it's as simple as that is yeah. it going to drive the team forward um, but is it going to improve the individual so you keep asking that question rather than oh, I'm going to give a great team talk today this is, I'm going to get some credit for a, <laughs> yeah. a great move or so yeah. the ego is out of it yeah. and it's always been out of it yeah. Um, and that's the lucky space that I'm, I'm in with this yeah. is that I just enjoy being around a group of like-minded people doing um, playing a tough game that I know quite intimately through my experience so that gives you the the background knowledge but the yeah. learning side of things even now um, working with a guy Dave Reed and, and our experiences yeah. at Chennai we're, yeah. we're sort of constantly learning now about uh, in a fast-paced game, how to keep improving your decision-making. The predetermined stuff I used to think was a bad word. Now I reckon mm. it's embrace it. Get more predetermined shots in your head so you can pull the trigger on on a decision. So sort of changing my philosophy or understanding on that and watching players like yourself or Dhoni, um, the way they go about their work, one size doesn't fit all. Mm. So as a coach, trying to put one size shoe on a number of different feet doesn't work so you've got to invest your time in your people yep. and you come back to listening if I can listen well um, the next time we get together pick up our relationship quicker we're going to have more chance of exploring some stuff together around the mental side of the game yep. or uh, you're predetermining all your 
there might be a, a, a skill-based aspect that they're not doing right. We can pick that up. Yep. And Mike Hussey's the have experts that can do that as well. But I don't think there's one answer I can give because it's constantly moving. It's just yep. moving all the time. Next yep. time I see you, what are you'll be doing something different or yep. you, you would have added another layer. So me understanding that and then trying to learn how that impacts on you is yep. an important part of, of managing any of your people. Uh, yep. But taking the time and care to understand what they're doing and how best this environment can make them perform at their best is, is really your key goal, isn't it? Yep. What you mentioned there about taking the time to be able to get to get to understand people. That's the one thing that, especially cricket with my experiences, it hasn't, apart from one other coach, Paddy Upton, yep. there's been no coach who's gone really out of their way to really connect, connect yeah, with individuals. And I, I've always heard about Wayne Bennett, always heard about him. So have I. Um, that that's one thing that he's always done with his with his players. He's got in his team. Yep. He's coached for like Coach Australia. He'd do that with all the players there as well, even if he you know didn't really know them. He'd just go and spend time getting to know them. So then he knew he had a you know, emotional connection with these guys. So then when he knew how they ticked, mm. how to be able to like help them if they also how to be able to try and pull them back in a line if he needs to as well in a way that's not going to offend them. That's going to you know, actually get the best out of them. So that that's something that yeah. it's not really that done, but I don't, I don't get why it's not because the best coaches are the ones that actually that's what they do. They take the time. Possibly the one word is time. Sometimes time. sometimes you don't have it, and you think yeah. the top companies that uh, the top executives or, or owners are almost loved mm. by people because they invest their time back into their people mm. and their company, but. Uh, look, selfishly, you have other demands. It might be family. Yeah. It might be yeah. just um, the day-to-day structure that you have, but trying to create time. And, yeah. uh, and lucky in some ways, so you look at the IPL, it's very much we're just on. It's, mm. There's not a lot outside. It's just time in the hotel. We're always around. The, the bonds are getting stronger each time you pass. We have a coffee or breakfast. So yeah. um, so that's a good environment to get those, those stronger. But yeah. there's still room to mess it up. Okay, now I'm going to go on to media lessons learned. Yes. Love the media. Mm. <laughs> so from what you know now, would you approach the media in a different way when you're playing? Yeah, possibly. Um, it's very hard, though, because when you are playing in the media around, there's an emotional attachment to results, mm-hmm. and you're either up or you're down, so there's sort of middle ground to be disconnected enough to use as everyone would say use the media as your voice piece mm-hmm. it's very hard to do that when you've got three or four in the room that have written probably an accurate piece but when you've got the, the red mist on it's not that accurate <laughs> to it treat doesn't sit well no no um, so it's it's very difficult and I still struggle even representing the team after losses mm-hmm. um, to be sort of composed with it but look it's an important aspect and it, it, I think it reflects it reflects the environment that you are representing or where you've come from. Mm-hmm. If you are um, a little bit too emotional and that comes through, then it's probably a sign of pressure sort of within. But if we're comfortable mm-hmm. with what we're doing and we've had it, it's fine. We can we can deal with that. Or if you're in a bad form, then there's, you know you, the, the room's got your back. Yep. Uh, the disjointed, the interesting interviews, and I love watching interviews and just trying to pick up where people are at. No. Um, the ones where there's pressure and it's a little bit fragmented, <laughs> uh, you, you sort of realise, especially if it's in the same competition, that there's a bit going on. The yeah. ones that are composed and firm but um, have a really strong message, not too not too on point or message, but yeah. it comes through really firm. You think, yeah, I've got a pretty good understanding of what they're doing. It's unwavering, that just belief that comes from the room. So 
so what I try to do now is just reflect what, what I think the mood of the team is. And it's okay to be disappointed yeah. and it's okay to be a little bit angry, but ultimately um, you never let go of the trust that's in the room, so you never break that. But it's such an important part of the media. And yeah. um, I had to do a course recently to understand some of the younger players now that come in because of the social media aspect mm. and that constant um, – the, the constant – feedback you get from all areas when we played to a degree or when I played it was paper yep. uh, television and a little bit of radio mm. now it's, it's everywhere for these guys yep. so um, I think it's a much more difficult environment but you do have the opportunity to control a bit more of your own message which can be good yep. did the scrutiny that comes with playing for your country and captaining your country did that have an, a, have an effect on you? Yeah. Negative effect? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was another. It just weighed heavily. Yeah, just and and again at times we we were a fifty to sixty percent side. Yeah, depending test wise, one day is a little bit higher. But um, you, you constantly just the the tap is dripping. Things aren't going. <laughs> and if you're not scoring runs as well, you're just yeah. So it's like a ticking time bomb. So yep. trying to be removed and do all the right things and get the your media training out at times was just. It was yep. just hard and it just weighed heavy. Yeah. Was there any techniques that you developed to be able to deal with it better? Well, I, got, I actually got some lessons uh, one morning, absolutely getting smacked. And uh, there was an editorial in our main Auckland newspaper, New Zealand Herald, just saying that I should be sacked as captain. Excellent. Yeah, it was just great. Yeah. And about five minutes later, I got a call from a guy, Paul Holmes, who's like the Alan Jones in Australia yep. equivalent. He was a <clears> genius. I thought, oh my god, it's the last thing I need. I've spent <laughs> land in the editorial under the door. Um, but he said, he actually came out and said, "Look, I've just noticed um, you've had an editorial calling for your head." He said, "Any enemy of the Herald is a friend of mine." <laughs> no, I went, "Oh my word!" So he came on my show, and I yeah. and I was a little bit doubtful at first, but he became a really good ally. He yeah. just he just called it as it was, and yeah. just said, "Look, just be very honest, and don't try and play too many games with it. If you're not playing well, everyone knows that." Yeah. Um, but it's, it did help knowing that, that it wasn't be all end all because you take it so personally. Of course. Don't you? It just cuts well, you it deep. Mean, it it just means so much to you. You want to do well. You yeah. don't, you're, yeah. you're giving your absolute best. You're doing everything you can yes. to get the best out of yourself, and sometimes it just doesn't work. Yeah. And the thing that hurts, you know it anyway. But just yeah. when it's in print or just you hear it, just it cuts deep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So they, 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 were, they were tough times. But then yeah. again, you, it. Um, and Gilbert again came through. You just reevaluate. You've got a choice of walking away. Yeah, you can. And one night I walked away. I said, I have, "I've had enough of this." Yeah. And next morning I woke up. There's no way I'm walking away. Yeah. He knew. I, he knew I wasn't going to walk yeah. away. Yeah. But it felt nice to have the option of walking away. Sometimes yeah. it's just great to escape. Yeah. But then there's something deep down that you just no, you want to crack this. Yeah. And it just brings you back a little bit stronger. So you do. People talk about your skin growing thicker, mm-hmm. and it just does. When you, you've got no choice. You haven't got if a you, choice. If you want to do what you're doing, yep. you've got no choice. Or you can walk away. Yep. Now, we're going to move into financial lessons, Lance. And look, a lot of people yep. aren't that comfortable talking about you know, financial side of things because it's not really talked about. And only the, the wins, yeah, sure. wins are normally talked about and how if you've, if you've you know, invested in something, it's done really well. Yep. But have you always or have you been um, investment savvy have you, um, from, a, from a young age, with whether it's investments into the stock market, into um, rental properties or commercial property or anything like that, have you developed 
that or were yeah, you well, from the start? Yeah, well, my story is a bit differently. I grew up <clears> just with mum, so my parents separated early. So yeah. money was always quite tight. Mm-hmm. Um, even like buying a cricket bat was a, a big thing. I had to look after it for a couple of years. So everything was, was a stretch. Um, and I admire her and I'm very grateful for the opportunity. So when I, I played cricket and we started to get paid for it, it was sort of unheard of. I was doing this thing that I loved. Then all of a sudden you played some games for New Zealand and getting some decent money. It was quite life-changing. Mm. It then became, there was a pressure then, you get a little bit of a taste for it, is that the joy of playing the sport was turning quickly into a, an opportunity to move my family, that's my mum and I, forward. Mm-hmm. So there was a pressure with that as well about just, um, again, more run to get, yet more things on television. So went through the early stage of that uh, accumulating, but quite quickly it became a job. Yep. Um, and then a little bit of self-preservation. So I had to manage the pressure of um, preserving my position against pushing forward and, and taking risks and being the best I could be. Yep. But it's always sort of hung in to a degree that it was an opportunity to push forward by playing something you love. How good is this? Yep. And that added to that whole the weight of expectation of performance. When it, it got to a point, New Zealand wasn't massively, wasn't paid really well, but for mm. me it was unbelievable sort of money going forward and then we went through a pay dispute as captain which was a bit hairy but the result of that was a really nice structure for for players so the longer you played obviously it got into position where you start looking at investments and a couple of misses but there's a little bit of um, safety there was a little bit of uh, buying property so mums we bought a house there which was a nice thing to sort of give back which I'm still very proud of yeah Um, and then a little bit of sort of a managed funds, yep. and then you get into a point where you start looking at, at business and leadership and business and cricket and really interests me. Yep. Um, so I had a couple of dabbles, one which you've benefited from, which is a little bit of lamb in India, <laughs> yeah. products, which goes, yep. goes down well yep. over there, and just sort of sitting on a couple of boards and just seeing how, how that sort of feels and, yep. um, and a little bit of property. So it's sort of a mixture of, of it all. There's been yep. a couple of misses. Yeah. And in, what, some, in, what, in, in what way? Just with a company, we uh, we had a, a cricket scoring company that okay. that flying. But yep. in terms of creating revenue, the idea was great. But taking your idea and and monetizing it is yep. a whole different set of skills. Yeah, um, and it's still going and it's still sort of grinding away. But but we we missed in terms of the redundancy side of things. And I took that really personally. That yep. was you bring people in because you believe in a product and. Um, you really want it to succeed from an ego point of view as yep. well. You want it to be successful. But at times, you just got to say, you know what, it just can't work. Yep. People just get even further down in that trap. But thankfully, there's a result where the company's still going and, and shareholders have a part to play. But there's some really amazing lessons in that that mm. I learned from business. It's brutal. Yep. It's just brutal. When you have this fanciful feeling, well, I kept in a cricket team. I can, <laughs> I know about leadership. Yep. Well, <laughs> yep. it wasn't great. Um, and now the companies that I'm, Involved with one in particular, Quality New Zealand, which is an export company. Yep. Uh, again, the lessons learned from other experiences are helping shape that. So yep. it's no, not dissimilar to, to cricket at all. You've yep. got to make sure that it's okay if you've done everything and it doesn't work out. Make sure the next time that you put those in play. And that's certainly my experience from, from money and business side of things as we go forward. Very similar sort of parallels. You want it to be absolutely gun. Yep. And you have a dream of opening a multi-million dollar company with <laughs> yep. content and yep. all sorts going on. Uh, but it's hard work. Yep. And that's why everyone doesn't crack it. Yeah. So the foundations now, because of what you learned from that first um, scoring business, yes. to then using those lessons that you learned to set up the, um, the meat, export yep. lamb 
business, what techniques did you use and take away from your experience that you had to be able to give it a better chance of, of being successful? Yeah, just break it back down. Rather than dreaming big and, and pushing forward too fast, mm-hmm. just making sure that your little steps are right so that um, the, the numbers stack up. Yep. Um, so your growth versus being stable within your governance uh, and probably the, the, the best one of all is a, a really strong plan of where you want to get to yeah. rather than, God, we've got to sell as much meat as we can, get it in there, and then all of a sudden yeah. that scatter gun and you, you're not resourced really well. So really, a really precise plan around distribution in India, controlling that. Yeah. And tr- controlling as much as you can. You want to trust people, yeah. but the inner circle still counts, so making sure you get good people. You can trust them, especially when you're working with an international export company. There's an element of... Um, the blind eye you can't see so yep. so just working really well on, on just small steps and making sure you control your growth in a way that's going to allow you to maximise your, your potential moving forward. Amazing so from an investment point of view it's more so it's been a, a collective, it's been a rounded approach from um, a bit of managed funds but especially moving into the businesses, business side of things Yeah I, and, and it's, there's some property there as well which, yep. is, which is always um, sort of good to play with but yeah, the business side of things interests me the most. Companies yep. are here to point you. You have a dabble, yep. um, believe in something, and, and then try and make that work. That's as close to, to the uh, to a cricket environment that I know around business. So I enjoy yep. that, and, yep. and I enjoy. I don't necessarily enjoy sitting on a board and having governance, but I enjoy the mm-hmm. cut and thrust of again man managing people and um, meeting people, creating relationships. Whether it's the hotel chef or. Yep. Or whether it's a purchaser, it's having a relationship there that allows you the chance to get through. The, the synergies are, are too close to ignore, yep. so it's making sure you respect them in both lessons learned. Okay, so move on to uh, your uh, general life um, lessons that you've learned. Do you have a, a mantra or a saying that you have in your life that you, is always in the front of your mind to be able to help yourself bounce back from setbacks that are always going to come in life? Uh, I've never had one that I've really sat on. I, I like... I, I like learning. Um, I, I'm actually I'm an introvert, like, and, and I was wasn't at peace with that. I, I, that's not me. I thought no, I actually oh, I'm good with people. I like talking, but mm. I I am actually an introvert. I like my own time, mm. and I like reading. I like just gathering thoughts and then darting out into the whether it's the cricketing world and then coming back in. So I like my own time. Yep. I'm at peace with that now. So it didn't sit that well. <laughs> really? I'm a recluser. For how long? Sociable, I feel. Yeah. <laughs> For how long? Like when do you feel comfortable with that? Get oh, not long. Uh, probably yep. about so 12. A guy, I did get called that. Um, I was actually on a tour to Zimbabwe and captaining and being around. And, um, and there was an article which said I was an introvert. And a little bit aloof, and I thought, oh, that's so far from what I am. You go back to the media side <laughs> yeah. of things. Uh, the aloof one, I just thought maybe that was just confused around. Maybe I was, yeah. um, but a little bit of that was having leadership group and not listening to the rest of the team. So you can get okay. too caught up in your senior management, but you've got people on the floor or people around that are just as important. Yeah. Um, so there's an element of truth to that as well. But the introvert mm-hmm. one, I thought, no, it's, that's not the case. But I've, I've it was. It was right. Mm-hmm. And it's okay. Yep. <laughs> it's not like a bad yeah, word. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's a really important time because I, I, I do get emotional and disappointed and I do need time to collect my thoughts. So mm-hmm. I do get excited and enjoy that. But um, out in the real world, having I think having a balance. So, so if someone comes up to you, they know what you're going to get. The hardest thing I find is if people are unpredictable. <laughs> so you don't know what you're going to get and you on eggshells, one, one day good, one day bad. So I'd mm-hmm. love... 
if I talked about, I mentioned uh, it's around balance. Yeah. Balance is everything. So it's family times balance between work time, emotional versus relaxed or controlled. So you're, yeah. you're very balanced with what you do, which yeah. allows me, I think, to make the best decisions, whatever's in front of me, or yeah. be better or or see opportunities or be aware of an opportunity or listen to someone that, that enhances me a bit further unexpectedly. So that the balance allows you to pick up what's around yeah. rather than be emotionally charged or down or flat or yeah. or high. And the other thing, there's so much more awareness of mental health these days. Yeah. So having that, that balance and look, I enjoy golf and it's not yeah. just enjoy golf. I enjoy all the aspects of golf. It's a good challenge I'm outside, I'm with people for four hours talking. Um, it, it gets me doing something and, and trying to get better at it. So there's yeah. a lot of a lot of life just through that. It could have been any other sport, but mm. that's just one that I've picked up after playing the game. I yeah. needed a, a vice to sort of pour my emotional energy into and get success and failure from that, yeah. not on a major scale. But yeah. enough, and that gives me nice balance. I, I sort of need to play it or I get edgy. And my sort of family, it's a funny thing to have, but I'm more at peace doing the family stuff at home if I get my fix from that. So, again, balance between a little bit of my time but more so um, where I'm at. And the other piece is be where your feet are. And that was a bit of Gilbert and that, Gilbert and Oka, is you can drift through life being in a space but not be where your feet are. So you're nodding what I see, you know. Stay in the moment. You have to. And and more so if it's family or something that's not necessarily – not necessarily giving you a, a, a massive fix around sport and something mm-hmm. else going on, but if you can just be where your feet are and, and give that 100%, then yeah. that's so important. And connect in the moment, so true. Yeah, yeah. it's brilliant. Okay, I'm going to be a bit uh, retrospective here. If you could give one piece or a couple of pieces of advice to your 16-year-old self with everything that you know now, what would that be? Oh, my word. Um, just tough on water. I, I think... I think I could be more committed. Yeah, I think I drifted a little bit around just shying away from committing 100%. And mm-hmm. we touched on the mental side of things, and I I shied away from that. Um, so I think I was a little bit soft around totally committing and, and experiencing that. Yeah. Uh, and that's probably a little bit of that emptiness around batting that I just shied away, so that, that commitment to um, to the cause. Man, I, I don't really look backwards. So it's hard. It's sort of hard to go. Everything happened for a reason. So yeah, it's really uh, shaped. Yeah. And I sort of look back and think, oh, yes, lots of things I would have loved to have done differently. Yeah. But that may have sent me on a different path. Yeah, exactly. And I just, I, I'm incredibly grateful for where I am right now. Yeah. I can't help but feeling that all your mistakes that you make and your pitfalls and shortfalls allow you to to, to grow to what you are now. So that I find it very hard to answer a, a retrospective question. Yep. It's probably the honest truth. No, but the yeah. commitment side of things is, is, is Commitment's a, a probably great one. one. But you're right. Yeah. That's the, the beauty of life is the lessons that you do learn through your life mm. set you on the path that you're on. And if you don't learn from them, that's when a lot of the time it bites you right on the right on the, that's right. Right on the ass. Yeah. Because you haven't learned from you know, a situation that's, a, that's arisen in your life. Yep. And yep. the toughest ones have the greatest lessons, aren't they? My final question is I love reading books and learning, and I know you do as well. So could yep. you give me your top three books that have had the most impact on, on you? Okay. Uh, Good Walk Sport was a golf book by John Feinstein, Feinstein. Yep. which is one that stands out. That was just beautifully written book. Um, Tuesdays with Maury, is it Tuesdays or Wednesdays with Maury? It's so long since I read it. That was, that was um, 
a beautiful book as well. Really? I went what, through. Is, a, that, is that a like? You know, I think it's Tuesday. So is it a is fiction it? or or like? It's a beautiful story about a, a, a relationship with a, a dying gentleman. It's a good book. It's been ages yeah. since I've read it, but right. it just the name sort of just sticks with me. Yeah. Um, we had very lucky on tour. We had a relationship with a um, a publisher. So wherever the team went, we would get two boxes of books sent to the oh, hotel because wow. it was an endeavour of mine to get the guys reading. And the guys <laughs> would just come and pillage these books. But right. uh, it actually worked. The guys read well. Reading is great. And certainly yeah. back in the day without the tablets and yeah. the stuff online. Mate, there's a whole... What about Patty Upton's book? How good is that? You want Have to you read, read it? it? I haven't read it. Uh, I'm sure it's got some great insights. Good to greats there. Yeah. Um, which Jim is Collins. good from a leadership point yep. of view. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. I'm trying to think. There's a, I'm trying to think in my bookcase. There's a number there that... How many is that? Three so far? Yeah. Had enough? Yeah, I'm happy. Yeah. Come back to it. Yep. Happy with that. Yeah, there's a few awesome there. Awesome. I have to get on to Monday. Or I think it's Tuesdays, Tuesdays or Wednesdays. Tuesday, yeah, okay. Maybe Wednesdays. Yeah, I've moved on. <laughs> awesome. Look, fam, it's been really cool to be able to have you on this episode of Lessons Learned. There's so many great amazing insights into into your life that you've had into your career career and also um the lessons that you've you've been so kind to be able to express here um on lessons learned with the greats i really appreciate you sharing all your experiences because a lot of people sometimes are, are pretty closed off so i really appreciate you letting everyone understand Thanks, and learn it. from and will be much richer for for the lessons that i've learned from from what you've um, explained today that's been good fun thank you For more episodes of Lessons Learned with the Greats, head to t20stars.com forward slash podcast. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.